Try that again. Good morning. Now everybody's awake. What a great time of worship, just to have a chance to honor and to praise our Lord. What a great way to get us ready to hear from Him now. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me. Uh, we're going to be looking in the book of Genesis. We're going to skip around and look at some different passages as well. But as you're turning there, let me just uh, let you know about something that relates to what we're talking about today. Uh, we're starting a series, In the Zone. And something that relates to that is um, we, in February, if you look in the in, in inside of your uh, bulletin, you see that we're going to do something called Financial Peace University. Uh, there's some other churches in town that have, have done uh, that as well, are doing that. Uh, if you listen to... Um, I forget what the AM station is, but uh, Dave Ramsey is on the AM station here in town. Also, uh, if you have Fox Business, you get that on your television. You see Dave Ramsey, I think, has a show on there. But he's a syndicated um, radio personality and also on television. He's a Christian, and he has developed for churches a, uh, what's called Financial Peace University to help us to understand how to manage this great blessing that God has given us, our fi finances. And so if you'd like some help in that area, like to fine-tune that, budgeting, finances, that kind of thing, uh, this class will start in February. You can look and see some of the particulars. There's a table in the lobby today, and they've got some folks that would answer any questions you might have about that. Uh, and so you could go there today. There are a limited number of spaces because it happens on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. So there's two options. Uh, so you would want to probably check it out and sign up, get signed up quickly because those, I'm sure, uh, will fill up. Uh, so, talking about in the zone. Uh, Pastor Confer kind of got us the prime, the pump prime, thinking about what does it, when he's talking about being a blessing, and what does it look like for us to live in the zone? I want you to consider a question as we think about this subject today and looking forward to uh, into the future. This question, am I zoned in or am I zoned out? So when you walk out of here today, hopefully everyone will have the answer to that question in their mind. Am I living a zoned in life or a zoned out life? And as we think about today in this series, I'm, and I don't know if I've told you this before, but I'm kind of weird when it comes to uh, what I listen to in my car. I don't listen to music normally. I listen to sermons. Uh, I've got an iPod that I got, and I load up sermons that I download from the internet, and I've got a little thing that I can attach into in my car that that plays over my radio. So I can listen to sermons. Now, Crystal doesn't really like me to do that. She's always telling me to turn some music on. Uh, but I like to listen to, uh, to, to other preachers, and I uh, enjoy getting fed myself. And there was a couple years ago uh, a series called In the Zone. And uh, listen uh, to that from a pastor down in Texas, Ed Young, Jr. And so I want to share this series with you, these thoughts uh, based on that series uh, today and then in the subsequent weeks. So just wanted to kind of give that little footnote of where some of what we're talking about today comes from, uh, Ed Young, Jr. So what does it look like to, to live, to be in the zone? Did anybody catch the Packer game yesterday? <laughs> Yesterday, the Packers, my team, and I'm just going to, uh, for those of you who are not football fans, bear with me. I've got some other ways to illustrate this point in just a moment. Uh, Brett Favre, 14 to nothing, right at the start of the game, the, the Packers are losing. Brett Favre, they, they get the ball back and they've scored. And so there's this play, I think this is his most awesome play that illustrates what it means to be in the zone. Brett Favre's under center. Hikes the ball. He's the quarterback. Okay, so he gets the ball, hikes the ball, and there's all these, for those of you who are not football fans, there's these guys called defensive linemen. 
They're big three, 400-pound guys, and their only job is to try to crush the quarterback, okay? Their one goal in life is to try to set on the quarterback, okay? Okay, so Brett Favre hikes the ball. He moves to his right. These defensive linemen are coming. He trips. He almost falls. This guy's right on his heels. Did you guys, anybody else see this? All right. So he's, he's, he's running at, from these guys. And he's, he's tripping. He's, he's looking down trying to get his balance. Imagine him running. And he looks up. And there's a guy downfield, not very far downfield, and he tosses the ball underhanded as he's, as he's running kind of sideways. The guy catches the ball, gets a first down. Brett Favre yesterday was in the zone. <laughs> what a great example. When you look at uh, sports figures, you, you got, we got some photos. You look at these sports figures. You've got a guy catching the ball in the end zone on his fingertips. You could say he's in the zone. You've got, literally, he's in the zone. You've got Tiger Woods, who hits his, you know, sixth birdie in a row uh, on, on the tour. And the commentator might say, Tiger today is in the zone. You've got LeBron James or somebody else that scores 40, 50 points in a basketball game. Everything he throws up goes in. The commentator could say, again, he's in the zone. For you hacker golfers, you put two birdies back to back, and your partners may say, man, you're in the zone today. Or maybe you keep two balls in the fairway, and somebody says, you're in the zone today. For those of you who are married, and you, you, your wife comes home, and you've, you've done the dishes, and you've given the dog a bath, and you've taken care of the kids, and, and you've cleaned up the house, and you say, honey, I've got a nice, as you hand her some flowers, I've got a nice romantic evening planned for us. Let's go. I've got everything prepared. Someone might say of you, you're in the zone. <laughs> a zone is that area that's separated from the surrounding area. We think about life. We can live in the zone. And that's the question that we're going to explore today. What does it look like for us to live in the zone? And again, the question, as we walk out of here, hopefully we'll have answered for ourselves, am I living in the zone or out of the zone? There's a passage in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Those words are God telling us, I want you to live in the zone. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you a future. There's another passage in Romans 8, verses 31 and 32. that reminds us of God's love for us. And it says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God. We look at his, his character, and we see that God is a gracious God. God is a giving God. God wants us to live in the zone so that he can bless us. He can give to us. A great example of that is him giving his son to us. We see God's heart, God's character, that God wants, again, us to live in the zone. So what do those passages describe to us? A God that, as I said, loves us, 
wants to be generous towards us, has provided for us, has gifted us, has given us abilities. Everything that we have, every blessing of life that we have is a result of God the Father giving it to us, blessing us with it. And so God has a zone for us to live in, a place that's different from the surrounding area. Again, a zone is this zone, this sweet spot, we could say, of his success, of God's success. God wants to bless us. And again, the question, are you zoned in or are you zoned out? Are you living in that zone? Now, there's a great example of a guy that was living a zoned-in life, a guy by the name of Abram. God later changed his name to Abraham. Again, if you're hopefully you're in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, it tells us this story of this guy by, again, his name, he started out with Abram, God changed his name. He started out living in Ur, which is um, about where Iraq is today. And he traveled from there up to Haran. If you've got a map in the back of your Bible, you could check it out and see exactly where he's at. There's Bibles actually in the pew for you. So he travels to Haran, and God says to him in this 12th chapter, I want you to live in the zone. Listen to how God, what God says to Abraham, or Abram at the time, as he asks him to go live in the zone. The Lord says to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and, and the people they, that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. What we see is God asking Abram to follow him to the zone. And he says, if you go to this zone, when you get there, I'm going to bless you. And as I bless you, you will in turn be a blessing to, uh, to others and ultimately to, our entire, to the entire world. Abram left everything, left this place that, you know, was a good existence, a good place for him to be. Uh, you know, things were going fine. He left all of that, left his family behind, except for his nephew, left everything behind to go live in this place that God had told him to go, to live in this zone, this zone of God's blessing. Now, how would we define that term blessing? We throw that word around. Well, uh, even when we're talking about the trip to Paraguay, we talk about, well, we want to go down there, we want to be blessing to those people. When someone sneezes, what do we say? Okay, there's a lot of you Germans that say Gesundheit, which I understand means good health, is that right? How am I doing? I'm trying to learn a little bit. I haven't got the whole, um, um, uh, what's the song we sang at uh, Christmas time? Silent Night. I've not got that down in German yet, but we're working on it. Um, so besides Gesundheit, what do we say? We say, bless you when someone sneezes. What does that mean? What does that term mean when we say, how, how, how am I doing? And pe someone says, well, I'm blessed. What does that mean? Let me give you a definition. Again, uh, from what Ed Young was teaching. Let me give you his definition for a blessing. I thought it was great. I'd never heard it quite like this. A blessing, here's a def simple definition, is to be on the receiving end 
of the intangible and tangible favor of God. Now, when we think about being blessed, we might initially think about the intangible. We might, the intangible. We might think about how, you know, I have peace in my life, or I have tranquility, or I have, uh, you know, uh, joy, or those kind of things, those intangible kind of things. I'm, I have people that love me in life. All those intangibles, we might say, well, I'm blessed. I have this peace in life. But there's also the tangible ways that God blesses us. The clothes on our back, the cars that we drive, the homes we live in, the money that we have in our checking account, the families that we enjoy. So we are blessed when we have the tangible and intangible, we're enjoying the tangible and intangible favor of God. Last week in that testimony service that we had where we were sharing what God's doing here at First Church. And by the way, if you didn't have a chance to be here with us last week, you could go on the internet and you could, you could watch it on the internet and as with any service that you miss you could keep up so last week we heard these people talk about God blessing them that what God has done for them and we heard testimonies of both the tangible like I was healed the tangible and we have examples of the intangible favor of God the blessings of God in through those testimonies that the peace the joy the, all those things on the inside so the in the inner the outer the tangible and intangible we think of it God's blessing. It's imperative that we understand that everything that we have, the tangible and the intangible, comes as a result of God's favor in our lives. There's a great passage of Scripture that, where this guy, the servant, is describing Abraham in Genesis 20, 24. And he says this in describing Abraham. He says this, The Lord <clears throat> has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maidservants, camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age. He has given him everything he owned. Abraham understood everything that he had came from God. Abraham lived in the zone. He lived in the zone because he understood that he was not the owner. He was the manager. And if we're going to live in the zone, that is a key principle that we must understand. We must think of ourselves not as owners, but as managers. And Abraham got that, understood that everything that he had was a result of the blessing of God. As he walked in obedience, as he lived in this zone, God blessed him. And he, in turn, had the privilege to be a blessing to others. Now, let me give you some examples of that. We see him living in the zone. We see that he understood his, everything he had. He, he was a manager, not an owner. We see that in his life. A great example, first, Genesis 14. Just a couple chapters from where you were. Genesis 14, there's a great story. Theologians love to talk about this story. It's a story of this guy by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king of Salem. Later, was changed. the place was changed to Jerusalem. And so he's this, Scripture described as this priest of the Most High, a king, priest of the Most High. Uh, is what, how he's described. And, and Abraham had been away at, at war, had been away at battle, and as he's going back past Salem, this king, God's representative, comes out to meet him there. And he had all these spoils of war. And we see here in the Scripture that Abraham and this Melchizedek guy is God's representative here in this, this setting. Scholars tell us that this is a type or a foreshadowing a cameo appearance, if you will, of Christ in the Old Testament. 
And he comes out to meet Abraham. And we see that Abraham, realizing that what he's just been blessed with, the spoils of war, is all God's. He's the manager of it. He gives a tithe, Scripture tells us. He gives 10% of that back to this representative of God. And so we understand here an example of him understanding the concept and living out this concept of being a manager, not an owner, as he gives part of it back to God. Another great example is in the 13th chapter. When Abram, again later Abraham, when he was, God had blessed him, and he had this nephew by the name of Lot. And he and Lot were traveling together, and they were uh, basically would have been kind of a nomadic kind of existence and having herds and sheep and, and all those things. And, and their, their herds had just grown and grown and grown. And so they had all these servants and, and, uh, and tents and all these animals and there were so many, really, that the, their people started to kind of bicker back and forth, and they realized if they wanted to keep family harmony, that they were going to have to split. And so Abraham, understanding again that everything he has, he's been blessed, and he's a manager, not an owner, says to Lot, Lot, you pick the best land. Wherever you want to go, I'll go somewhere different. If you want to go to the right, then I'll go to the left. You want to go north, I'll go south. Wherever you want to go, wherever you think the best land is, you take it, and I'll take what's left over. Again, we can say that. He could say that because he understood everything he had was coming from God. He understood this principle of living in the zone. He understood this principle of being a, not an owner, but a manager. Third, ultimate example, comes in the 22nd chapter. When, again, we think about the story of Abraham, we know that God had told him that he would be the father of a great nation. But when he was 75 years old and he moves to Canaan, he didn't have any children. So God says, I'm gonna be, you're going to be the father of a great nation. Move here. I'm going to bless you. And so he does that. But yet, how can he be the father of a great nation? He doesn't have any children. Well, finally, later, much later, he has this son, Isaac. And now this dream finally can be realized. This vision that God's given, given him finally can be realized. He has a son, and now through this son, this nation can start. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, your only son, and I want you to go to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to give him, I want you to give him back to me. So, because Abraham was living in the zone, he understood his life as a manager, not an owner. He takes his son, he goes up to this mountainside. He, they build an altar, they put fire, you know, they put wood around it. They, they're gonna, he's gonna, he, puts, he ties uh, his son up, Isaac up, he puts him on the, on the altar, and he's about to sacrifice his son when God says, whoa, just checking. He provides a ram, that ram was, he gives as a sacrifice instead. God says, no, don't, and God wouldn't have done that, and he tells him, no, don't do that. And what we see is Abraham, the ultimate example of him, him being willing to give the most precious thing he had, his son, back to God. Again, Abraham was living a zoned-in life. Everything that he had. I'm a manager, not an owner. There's an example of that in the, in the church that we were in. We had some friends that uh, own a cabin down in Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg, the, uh, and, and a lot of people from... Uh, down in that area, go to Gatlinburg. I know probably a lot of you have been to Gatlinburg. Uh, it's a tourist trap kind of spot and a popular place. And in the mountains overlooking Gatlinburg, they've got a cabin, they call it. Now, this is, you're thinking cabin, you're thinking Jed Clampett 
in the, this cabin. That's not the cabin that they have. They have a five-bedroom, three-story, I'll just, let's call it a chalet, okay? It's, uh, it, has, it has jacuzzi bathtubs in, the, in, in, in some of the rooms. It has, it has fire, several fireplaces. It has, it has five bedrooms. It has a pool table. It has a big three decks or three uh, big porches. It's got ping pong. It's got big screen TVs. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome place. I can't describe how, if you want to see it, go to the, it's called the Great Bear Lodge Hidden Mountain Resorts, Gatlinburg. I'm not lying. It's a great place. The youth group there in Middletown, they had this contest, and there were 40 teenagers that had won this contest. They were looking for a place to go to take these teenagers in kind of a retreat kind of a setting. Well, this friend of ours offered their cabin. Now, can you imagine 40, 40, that's four zero, that's 10 times four teenagers in your chalet if you're an owner there is no way that you would ever let 40 teenagers loose in your chalet if you're an owner but if you're a manager this is God's God blessed our family with this we're going to be a blessing and they let them go now those youth pastors were so excited to have a chance. They weren't staying in some, you know, some shack, something that, you know, youth groups, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years. I know how it is. Most of the time, the places you stay, this was an awesome place, a great retreat kind of environment for them. It was great. They were so excited to get to go down there. And, you know, there are certain things that they needed to do. You know, they needed to, to clean up out of themselves. They needed to empty the trash. They needed to, you know, make the beds, do whatever with the sheets. There are these list of things. Imagine this list of things to do posted on the refrigerator. So when when they come in, they see this list. Well, of course we're going to do those things. Why? Because those youth pastors understand, you know what? We are managers this weekend. I don't own this five-bedroom, three-story chalet. This is, I've been blessed to be here. I'm going to do whatever it takes not to mess up this deal. Whatever's on the list, whatever is on the fridge that I need to do, I'm going to do that. Now, when we think about ourselves, God has blessed us. Everything that we have is ours. He lets us live in this five-bedroom, three-story chalet that is our life, this world. But he's posted some things on the fridge. He says, now will you do these things? We live in the zone. Will you take care of these things? And when we live in obedience, when we live in the zone, when we are blessed, we in turn make a decision to be a blessing. Now, let me illustrate this way. I'm not a great artist, but we're going to have some fun today. If you're lucky, maybe next week we're going to break out the flannel graphs, okay? <laughs> so, get the whiteboard out. And, I, get, I you know, if I spell anything wrong, I'm, you know, whatever, and, you know, you, yeah, just forgive me already. Okay, so, this is the zone, and we've been talking about living in the zone. Now we said that the zone, this area, is distinguished from the area around it. That's what a zone is, right? Okay. Now we're going to make up a word, and it is this, the blessor. God is the blessor. Okay. That means, as the blessor, he can decide who gets blessed and how much they get blessed. That's his deal. 
if you're in the zone, he's going to, he, you know, you have the opportunity to be blessed. We don't know what it's going to be, but he, the blessor, decides. And when he blesses as the blessor us in the zone, then we are blessed. This, the blessor blesses us. And then there we are, living in the zone, blessed. The scripture says that we are in turn supposed to do what? We then are in turn are to be a blessing. Okay, so we've got the blessor, and we are blessed to be a blessing. That's what the scripture tells, told Abraham, and we are, that's the same deal for us. Now, how do we make the transition from the blessor blessing us to be a blessing? How did it happen for Abraham? There are two things that went on. One, he received blessings from God. I just spelled that wrong, didn't I? Okay. We receive from God. And Abraham received from God. And then what did he do in response? The second thing, he reflected back the character of God. The character of God is to bless us, is to, is to give to us that generosity, uh, and to be God-hearted, to, to live in the zone, to move from being blessed to be a blessing. We can't just get... Then we're just camping out on that blessed part. And if we want to move here, we have to receive it, and then we have to reflect it back. Now, there's something else going on in this whole equation, and that is, remember we said the zone is this area outside. And this area outside of the zone we want to call the land of Ing. All around here is the land of Ing. And there are people in our world, and sometimes even inside the church, unfortunately, living in the land of Ing. And when we live in the land of Ing, life is all about owning and buying and selling and clothing and bling, bling. <laughs> but know what bling is? Bling, bling, stuff. When we're living outside of the zone. When we're living outside of the zone in the land of Ing, it's all about, it's all about my stuff. And my stuff is my stuff. I worked hard. I've got this job. I invested. I did this. It's mine. This is my time. It's my life. It's whatever, whatever. You know, going down, it's, it's me. I make a decision because I'm an owner. I own these things. It's all about owning and buying and selling and having Versus living in the zone. We understand that the blessor God has blessed us and in turn wants us to be a blessing. And how do we make that transition? We receive and then we reflect that back out into our world. Galatians 3.29, awesome passage that ties this all together with where we are in this New Testament world that we live in. On the you know, Old Testament is before Christ came, and here we are in the New Testament. How does this all relate? Galatians 3.29, let me read this with you. It says this, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now that, that should get you kind of excited. 
Because we're not just talking about some principle in the Old Testament, some story in the Old Testament that doesn't relate to us. How it relates to us is this. We are Abraham's seed. Abraham's son, Isaac, then uh, had children who had children, and they, all be they became the Jewish nation. Through the Jewish nation, Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ made a way for us to have a personal relationship with God. He was that path, that bridge to God through Jesus Christ. And so when God says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to others. And then the, through you, this whole world would be blessed from generation to generation to generation. And then God says to us, through Jesus Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. And what is the promise? The promise is, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. This is not just a promise to Abraham. This is God's promise to us if we will live in the zone. And we're not talking about prosperity preaching. We're not talking about you give a dollar, God gives you ten back. You may give a dollar, and you may not get anything back ever. But you will be blessed. It's not just tangible ways. It's the tangible and intangible and so when we live in the zone and we understand that, that we are managers, not owners, then we can hold the stuff that God gives us very loosely. Because it's all His. I'm just a manager. A good way to illustrate that from Scripture is when Jesus told the, the, the parable of the talents. And He said there was this, this guy, this guy had a lot of stuff, and he gave... One guy of his servants, five talents. Another guy, two talents. Another guy, one talent. And he went away for a long time. And he, while he was away, the guy with five talents went and he reflected, he received from the guy. And then he reflected the guy's character back. And so he invested it and he, gave, and he, he got more. And so that five talents became ten. The second guy, the same one. His two talents became four talents. And the, and the, the final guy, the one guy, didn't do anything. And the king, the guy comes back, the rich guy comes back, and he, he says, oh, that's awesome, you doubled it to the first guy, and then again to the second guy, oh, that's great, you, what you did. And then the last guy, he took that talent away. Why? Because that guy decided to live in the land of Ing. Instead of receiving and then reflecting back the character of the guy that gave it to him, he instead chose to just sit on it. And when we've been blessed, and then we sit on it, Story goes that that gets taken away and the blessing stops. You have an example from my own life. We lived uh, several years ago uh, in the mill town where we came from, we would get quarterly giving statements. And I looked at that statement and saw that uh, we were off um, for where we need, which should be as our fa in our family, in our giving. And we had set some money back for a, uh, a vacation. And so I talked to Crystal, and I said, Crystal, we're not, you know, looking at this statement, we're not quite where we need to be, and really the only money we've got set aside is this money that we've set aside for vacation. I think we should give that in obedience. And so we talked about that, and that was a decision. It wasn't a hard decision, because that's what thing to do. So we gave that money, knowing that then probably the vacation that year would be going to family, you know, those kind of vacations, where you go hang out with the in-laws. So... Uh, we could decide that was going to kind of be our vacation that year. And we were okay with that. That's all right. You know what? And, and if we had done that, you know, God would have blessed that. That had been fine. That had been great. But to show you, to illustrate even beyond that, that God 
does far beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine, as the scripture says. We got a phone call not too long after that. A guy in the church, he and his wife, they said, um, we were wondering if you and Crystal and the boys would like to go with us. We've got this, we've got this um, house on this little private island in South Carolina. And we'd love to take you guys. It won't cost you a thing. Just come with us. We'd love to just host you for the week. God's pretty awesome. When we're obedient, when we live in the zone, even when we can't see what's going to happen, God takes care of us. Another example of that was when we were in our early 20s and we had just, we'd not been in ministry all that long. We were living in Illinois at a small church, 150, 200 uh, people in the church, and uh, we were just struggling to get by. I figured when I went into ministry that I was taking a vow of poverty. I really thought that that's kind of the way it was, and so we were living out that vow uh, there, and um, uh, we didn't have, we were renting, we didn't have two nickels to rub together, literally, and we got this call from this church in Middletown, Ohio. This church at the time was probably about the size of, of uh, First Church here, and so we went to that church, and if, if you know my story, you don't know my story. Not, this is not the church where we ended up, where we just came from. This is a different church. There's about 10 Church of Gods in this town. So this is the biggest of those churches, not the one that I came from. So anyway, so this church called us, and, and we went there to talk to this pastor, and this pastor was really excited about us coming. He said, David, we want you to come. It's not a decision that everybody and their brother needs to make. It's, a deci- it's my decision. I want you to come. You tell me what you need financially, and we'll make that happen. Whatever you need, you tell me what that, that, what that, how much you need, and you come. We want you to come. So we got in the car. Chris and I drove back across that bridge back to Illinois. And I thought, Wow. We had got to that point, and, and we're having financial, we're doing this financial peace university in a couple of weeks, and one of the things that, uh, that make guys like uh, Dave Ramsey, that's how he lost his hair, guys like me in their 20s that did what I did in my 20s, which was uh, we had our first child. We didn't have any maternity insurance except a, mater- we had any insurance except I had a maternity rider on a major medical policy, so I had like $1,000 worth of coverage, which that did not even 12 years ago begin to touch what uh, medical bills there were. And so we had all of these bills. Our son had been born, and we literally at one point were putting, had to put uh, diapers and formula on a credit card. We didn't know what to do. <laughs> didn't have two nickels rubbed together, and this guy tells me, whatever you need financially, we'll take care of it. And we prayed about that and realized that that just was not the leading of God. And to say no to this golden opportunity that is before us. The end of the story is a couple years later, this church where we did come from called us. And I went there and later became pastor. And, and I don't think I would be here today if I had not made, again, I, I, you know, I, you know, God, I believe God has a plan for us. And God, there's this, this direction along the way. And I, if, because we as a family, Chris and I made a decision to live in the zone then God was able, because we're in that place of blessing, that he's able to do his thing. But when I began to kind of try to figure it out on my own, and we try to live out here and try to circumvent what God wants to do, then we are on our own. And so this morning I asked you the question, are you living zoned in or are you living zoned out? God loves you. He created you with purpose. 
He has a plan for you. Everything that you have, the tangible and the intangible, has come into your life as a direct result of God, our Heavenly Father, blessing your life. And what he asks you to do, like he asked Abraham, I want you to leave what you have, and I want you to go to this place, and if you will follow me and walk and follow me in obedience, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. As you receive from me, you reflect that back out into your world with, what you, with your time, with what you have, your money, with your, with your resources, with who you are, and I will bless you. And there is no way that we can ever outgive our God. And so my question to you again, are you living zoned in or zoned out? Are you living like an owner or a manager? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for teaching us, again, through your word, things that are so practical in our lives. Father, everything that we have comes from you. And I pray right now that as we have a time of response to what you are saying to us, that you would help us to very clearly make a decision in our lives, for us individually and as families and as a church, that we are going to be people that live zoned in as managers and not as owners. Everything we have, Father, is yours. And now, Father, we are listening to you as to how you want us to manage the blessings that you have given us. Father, help us to see our world as ripe with opportunities to be a blessing. And now, as you speak to us, if there are things that we need to to turn over to you, if, if we need to make that commitment to you in a public way, coming down to an altar, we need to do that where we're sitting. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now as we respond to your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As always, these altars are open if you'd like to come and pray. If you'd like to say to God, God, I've been an owner too long, I want to move into management. I don't want that self, I want to be self-employed any longer. I want you to, I want you to, be in charge, then you do that. You can do that at your seat. You can do this at an altar, but you do that as we, as we sing today.